Welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Dustin Lazwithbeave, the Troop Scout leader, across from me. This is Denim Wall, the Troop Historian. And in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief Runs With Bins. Thank you, boys, for coming into the clubhouse yet again for another meeting. Um, let's kick this one off like we do all the others with the Straight Arrow Oath. So those of you in scout uniform, three fingers salute. Those in civilian clothes, hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow knows butane is a bastard gas. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? Wimatanya? Wimatanya! So, let's get us right into the episode info. Historian, why don't you take us away? Yeah, so we're still on season two. Episode eight is our 21st overall episode. Uh, This one's entitled The Sun That Got Away. First aired November 23rd, 1997. This one was written by Jim Dotrieve, who I believe we've discussed earlier is obviously the namesake for the one and only Bill. What an honor. <laughs> Should I say the one and lonely, Bill? <laughs> um, but yeah, this is... So he's been, I guess, in the writer's room and in uh, various positions, but this is his first writing credit for uh, an episode of King of the Hill. This is also the first appearance of one of his created characters, Monsignor Martinez. <laughs> Um, after, or not after, but I guess during King of the Hill, Greg Daniels and Mike Judge and Jim Dotrieff went off to make a spin-off series of starring Mar- Monsignor Martinez. Wow. And it was just going to be like an in, you, like it was going to be the show that King of the Hill watched. So not like in the same world, just like the show that, that Peggy would have watched. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and, uh, that's awesome. And yeah, and David Herman was actually going to be, he was in the, they did a pilot. It's, oh, no way. Yeah. There's rumors, but like it's, there's rumors that people saw it, mm. but there's really nothing like nobody knows where it is. Mike judge kind of like wants it and can't find it. That would be so amazing to see. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but like he was with, uh, King of the Hill for a while, I think till 2005, um, and, uh, he actually went on to create Bob's Burgers. Oh, no shit. And that's kind of maybe still going. We don't know. I am a, I'm a big fan of Bob's Burgers. Yeah. I, I guess like they just don't really know if they're going to be, there's going to be a ninth season yet. Like a, a bunch of shows at Fox, I guess don't really. Um, and so that's it for the writer. Yeah. And the, this episode is directed by another first. Um, this is Tricia Garcia. I think she's the first woman director uh, we've had on King of the Hill so far. She, but she's definitely has, but she definitely has the most credits of anybody we've seen. Oh, so this is her first time, but she comes back frequently. Yes. Yo, yeah. She worked. She works on the show until two thousand five. She directed a total twenty six episodes. Wow, this is a pretty good one to start on. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, same with. Uh, Jim Dotrieff too. Yeah. Um, right. I guess. And she, it looks like she went to work on stuff with, with him later too, like Bob's Burgers and other stuff. I don't know. Everybody had some pretty good lines in this one. So I think she's somebody that really kind of understood the show right away. Yeah. She actually, I kind of really like, I was looking at her career and it was like, it started in like 1990 at the Simpsons. Oh, okay. And so she started as like backgrounds, um, art and just animation departments all the way until King of the Hill started. Then she went to King of the Hill she was with King of the Hill until, yeah, later. She's just been, she's been in I like some pretty that. good stuff. Yeah, That's like working from the bottom, you know? Like. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess Greg Daniels must have no- t- t- took notice of her because 
she was she was on board with King of the Hill from day one. Nice. And yeah, so that's that's Tracia Garcia. Mm. What kind of director's intro did Tracia Garcia have? So there wasn't one for this one. Yeah. What a shame. <laughs> yeah, no, no direct no director intro on this one, actually. For this episode synopsis, the kids are frustrated with their parents' punishments and decide to rebel and go to the caves. Okay. Uh, and now we're on to music. My Connie is a Laotian. My Connie lives next door to me. My Connie is a Laotian. And I have to go take a pee. So we have no cold open. This is the first scene. It's uh, the kids at their uh, Twilight Middle School in music class. And what you could, what you just heard there is Bobby ruining a beautiful Scottish folk song. <laughs> and uh, they're getting scorned by their music teacher. This is the first time we we meet Tom Lattery Middle School's uh, music teacher. His name's Eugene Grandy. Um, he's actually voiced by John Ritter. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Is this the first time Ritter's on the show? This is the first time, yeah, he's in uh, four King of the Hill episodes up until his death in 2003. And his final episode was in season eight, episode 19, called Stressed for Success. And that was also dedicated uh, to his memory. I like John Ritter. Yeah, I like him too. Last movie was Bad Santa. He did. I remember him in Bad Santa. He was the uh, mall manager. I don't, Bernie Mac. I don't remember. Ber- Bernie Mac was in it? Yeah. I don't remember Bad Santa at all. <laughs> Bad Santa with Billy Bob Thornton. Yes. Not Badder Santa. No. It's the same movie, I think. Anyway. It is the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is the same fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, so I took a look at the uh, music chart behind Eugene Grandy, and uh, I well, pulled out the little virtual piano and, and played the music, and it is just an A note repeated. It's, it's not a song at all. And I looked at his sheet music, and I played that as well, and it resembled nothing. It was, it was like uh, you know, like a toddler got a hold of three notes and just went up and down with them. So, I was hoping that it would be "America the Beautiful," but it turns out it was not. There's nothing wrong with three chords as long as you play them in the right order. <laughs> so the kids, I guess, have been acting out all week. Uh, Mr. Grandy has had his limit. He keeps uh, blowing his tone. His round harmonica. Yeah, his round harmonica, <laughs> and uh, he. He reaches his breaking point. He goes, that's it. We're calling in the parents. Yeah, Connie and Bobby gasp, and then we see Hank and Con arrive at Tom Landry at the exact same time. Hank in his truck and Con in his van. I love that Con asks him if he's there to read the gas meter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then he's like, no, I sell propane, propane accessories. Then he's like, okay, well, then why didn't your wife come? Or is she being a surrogate mother today? <laughs> love the just Con. Like, he's just such a firecracker. As soon as he gets out of that truck, he's instantly just insulting Hank. He's here to grease some palms. <laughs> I love that his assumption, too, is that Connie was framed and, like, this could no way yeah. be legit. Like, of course. So Con finds out that Bobby's involved in his in getting his Connie Jr. into trouble. And when they're in the principal's office and Bobby confesses to... I just sang a song parody, Dad. Like Weird Al Yankovic. Bobby, Al Yankovic blew his brains out in the late 80s after people stopped buying his records. He's not worth getting into trouble over. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Do you guys, you guys super familiar with Weird Al? No, but I just like that Hank won't call him Weird Al. (laughs) It's it's Al. Uh, I'm pretty familiar. I mean, I uh, got into a lot of his music videos, and I watched UHF, so Mm. I'd say I'm a fan. That's a good movie. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, so he was a really busy guy through the 80s and well into the 90s. And so this being 97, 1996 would have been his album, Bad Hair Day. Which uh, would probably be the height, like, of his popularity. That's the album that had Amish Paradise uh-huh. <laughs> on it. I believe we listened to that song before this yeah, meeting, and it was a banger. And uh, and and Gump, the the yeah, play it.
obviously parodying Lump by the Presidents of the United States of, of America, I guess. I don't actually remember them. <clears throat> but the Presidents. Um, but yeah, that album, that whole album sold 1,317,000 copies within one year. Wow, that's and, nothing to turn your nose at. Yeah, it's the highest for any comedy record uh, up to that point in one year. And it was, yeah, the album went to number 14 on Billboard. And yeah, it's I I don't think people stop buying his records. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure Hank's misinformed because yeah. like I loved Weird Al and like he blew up again. Yeah, a few when times. White and Nerdy came out, he's pretty successful. And oh yeah, no doubt. An album. Yeah, no, he's yeah he's a name. Like yeah. he, everybody knows him. <laughs> and and I always thought that it was because because yeah when White and Nerdy, everything was just a parody by that point. Pretty much. But that was like a big time for parodies. I've been listening to th- this album, Bad Hair Day, and there's like a lot of really good just songs on there like that are just – they're funny, goofy. But he what, he – what he – I guess he's – the whole thing is sort of a parody of the tone of Elvis Costello and uh, they, they, they Might Be Giants. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, just that goofy, quirky sort of like – and then he kind of takes it even further a little bit. Yeah, you were playing it uh, before too, and it kind of reminded me of like Nardwar the Human Serviette, his band, The Evaporators. The Evaporators, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of gave yeah. me that kind of vibe, and like it's really cool because it's like, yeah, they they understand the genre, so they can just like put whatever words they want in it right? because it like yeah. sounds good, but and it's still pretty silly. Even though he's quite successful, I don't think he's necessarily worth Bobby getting in trouble over. Apparently not. So the music teacher. Um, he begins to blame Con and Hank for the for the child's misbehaving. He goes on to say that they're not bad dads, but they have bad dad habits. You see, Bobby and Connie's disruptive behaviors stem from bad parental imaging at home. You're saying it's my fault I'm here? <laughs> and of course, uh, Hank and Con start fighting amongst themselves, but they agree on one thing. And that's that there's going to be punishment. Oh, yeah. You're damn straight. There's going to be punishment. I thought it was just funny that that's the only thing that they've been able to agree on in the past. <laughs> and uh, as they're as they're leaving, Hank uh, rips the, <laughs> the round uh, harmonica off of uh, the music teacher's neck and throws it on the top shelf. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he, he won't be able to get it for some reason. <laughs> I, I, I do love it in the deleted scenes. Uh, I believe right after this. Um, there's, a, there's just a shot of him going to talk to, to tell Peg about it. Peg asks him how it went and he says, well, I took a round harmonica away from a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the other deleted scenes is he walks up to the cabinet and like jumps to get it behind. Oh yeah. <laughs> Back on rainy street, as usual, the guys are kind of just milling around and Hank's talking about how he's going to, uh, how he's going to punish Bobby, make him clean his gutters. And Bill reveals some rather oh. horrifying details about his childhood <laughs> that when he was in trouble... Yeah, my dad used to punish me by telling me I was a girl. (laughs) He used to make me wear dresses. (laughs) Pretty, pretty dresses. (laughs) I believe that phrase will come back for Bill. Yeah, that's actually a foreshadowing to an episode entitled Pretty, Pretty Dresses, where Bill has a bit of a breakdown and wears dresses. (laughs) I don't think this is the first time he's mentioned something about wearing a dress or being called a girl from his dad. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. I think it was Runs With Bins that was mentioning it earlier. I like what Dale uh, meant. Dale, Dale says that he... I believe a child benefits more from the psychological approach. When I need to correct Joseph, I tell him he's adopted. <laughs> it, it reminds me of the uh, King of the Ant Hill episode when Joseph says my dad and Bobby's just like, you mean Dale Gribble? And he's just like, yeah, my dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm sure that's the kind of thing that he thinks back to when Dale punishes him. Yeah, they make a couple of references to the to the John Redcorn and Nancy relationship in this episode. They it's kind of yeah. interesting. Anytime Joseph's like a, a star of the episode, I feel like they need to remind... Every, you know, every episode somebody's first. So they yeah. got to know that they know they're in on the joke. <laughs> so Hank sees Con's form of punishment and is disgusted to see Connie on the lawnmower. Mowing the lawn is a privilege. And Con has this really great line. I'm putting fear of God into Con Jr. She learned what it like to be you. Because Hank's always mowing his fucking lawn. <laughs> After that, we get to see Bobby 
um, on the roof uh, cleaning out the gutters. And he comes across a little family of baby birds. And Pamela Adelon has some really interesting voice acting, like, during these next 15 seconds. Like, I could listen to that scene over and over and over because her voice is so cool. Oh, baby birds. Where's your mommy? Ow, stop that. Ow, I was being nice to them. And then again later when uh, Bobby goes over to Connie's. What a bird picked. <laughs> Hi, a bird picked my head. Ouch. I'm so glad you got that clip. I just love Bobby mum or Bobby mumbling his impression of his dad. I tell you what, neighbor. <laughs> I, I also love I love that like after he tells Connie about his packed head, that Connie's just like Oh yeah, parents. Parents are the parents worst. Are worse. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going? On? It's funny. I mean, at least like she gets it. So I mean, at least like yeah. Like, <laughs> Connie says maybe they should just go out and do so. Just ditch and go do something. But Bobby wants to be back for what is it? Bork pockets. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like they're not kids anymore. <laughs> they're preteens. So what's a pork pocket? It's exactly what it sounds it's like. It's like a pizza pop? It's like pulled pork wrapped in like some like like phyllo pastry, and then you just bake it. Like a sausage roll? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, okay. But it looks more like, like an apple strudel. It's like... Uh, oh. And yeah, it looks awesome, actually. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I actually would not want to be late for those. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> wow, Peggy's cooking. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I just love how Bobby is... Always himself around Connie, you know, like he's not trying to impress yeah. the girl next door. He's just like he's no like. Uh, and 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 she does always just kind of like roll with everything he says. Like she's like, yeah, yeah. whatever. Bird pegged your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, oh, it's so funny because like we don't really know yet, but like Connie is quite the intellect that we find out in the series, and she just yeah, she just glazes over every of Bobby's well, like. Well, it's always it's always hinted at, but I think part of that is also just that. She's not an intellect by choice. Mm -hmm. You know, she's forced into studying. But I like Bobby is instantly just like, yeah, sure, let's go do something. And then we're going to get Joseph. And Connie doesn't want to get Joseph because he threw a dodgeball at her. <laughs> Bobby rushes to defend his friend. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, you know, it's, it's like almost like a bit of a tender moment between Connie and Bobby. And I think the first one we see where, like, they're really starting to develop a relationship with each other. And then Bobby's like, oh, we got to get Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> Like you said earlier, it just shows how he's, like, never out to, like, impress her. He's just like, well, if we're going to go do something, Joseph's got to come. Yeah. Well, he's not thinking, like, oh, this is a, like, not yet. This anyway. is not a date. Like, he has yeah. no even, like, inkling of that. And uh, and I like that. Yeah, I like Joseph in this episode. I like that we get a lot of Joseph. We sure do. And just in a lot of them, I, like, Brittany Murphy's a good voice actress like that is impressive i didn't like so many times i was just like trying to imagine it as like i don't know how she made that yeah. voice like yeah it's like uh yeah I, I can't do my i can't do an impression of it no it's impressive i like it a lot mm -hmm. um but yeah joseph is uh the one who suggests they go to the caves yeah they have a little back and forth because obviously uh as kids do when they like each other they're mean to each other and connie and joseph don't want to do what each other wants to do and uh, Joseph has this little uh, shot at Connie that I think I'm going to use in the future. Oh, I think I love this one. We could go to the library and talk. Yeah! Yeah. Why don't we just go back to school and wait for tomorrow? <laughs> I'm going to say that all the time. Bobby, yeah. <laughs> what was Bobby suggesting? They go to Electric World to watch TV. Yeah, that sounds pretty dope. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Then an old tan, man. Oh, we just cleaned your gutters for you. But that was Bobby's punishment. Oh, maybe you'd call it punishment. I call it punishment. I fucking, I just love Bill and Boomhauer in this episode. Gang on they're, ten, man. They're like always together and they're just like the best pair at this one. Yeah, they're, they are great. And uh, it just makes, it reminds me of how like the guys just want to help Hank all the time. Like, of course, they're just going to work on his gutters. because They just want to clean gutters. <laughs> Everyone else is just clean. They just want to clean some gutters. I love how they tie 
Bill Boomhauer into these like child like kid oriented episodes. Yeah, where, like, the order the straighter one like they just still tagged along, <laughs> and like this one, this one like they're just kind of popping in and there and like. Not really doing anything, but just being there. <laughs> and the, there wasn't a deleted scene about this, but I would have liked to have seen maybe like a shot earlier of like them being like, you know, Hank, those gutters could could use some cleaning. Like, yeah, like a he's, little. Like, he's like, I'm saving. Bobby needs to do that when he's done his homework or something. And like the guys are just like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I say it's funny because like remember in Husky Bobby. Bobby's paying Bill a buck to rake his leaves into his chores for him. It's like, but Bill would just would have done it for free exactly. for something to do. <laughs> but now that Hank realizes that it's the guys on the roof and no longer Bobby, mm-hmm. uh, and Connie's gone, they and Con's realizing they're all putting this together that the kids are gone and they're gone together. Yeah. Then Dale comes barging out. <laughs> have you seen Joseph? He's not back with my pick six numbers, and I'm starting to worry. I can't win it if I'm not in it. Fucking rights. <laughs> what a catchphrase. That's what I've been saying. Yeah, That's right. what I always say. <laughs> it's funny when um, like Hank's realizing Bobby's gone and then he notices that Connie has also just realized that Connie is missing. And did Hank blames it on Connie and calls her a little siren. Yeah. <laughs> and goes, oh, what, your skinhead gone too? <laughs> I just love that, like, and nobody cares about Dale or yeah. Joseph. Like, what? Like, well, I guess they do find they do care about Joseph later, but they just can't be bothered to include Dale. <laughs> like, there's three kids missing. Well, Six I mean. Six parents. Seven parents. <laughs> <laughs> Hank and Con are definitely only concerned about their kids. <laughs> Speaking of the kids, they make it to the caves just through some weeds and they find Randy playing with his toy plane outside of the cave. It's an RC plane. You know what's something really awesome that I had no idea until I was doing the research for this episode? You know who voices Randy? Oh, David Herman. Cheryl Holiday. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> oh, Cheryl. Cheers to Cheryl. Yeah, I can't believe we uh, we missed that. Yeah. Can I get a round table, Cheryl Holiday? Cheryl Holiday. Yeah, I think um, he's actually a, a fairly prominent character in the first uh, first two seasons. He's always usually thrown into the kid episodes. He kind of fades in and out uh, as the series goes, but yeah, I think he's a, he's a nice pairing with his dad. Old, he's he's just... a nice pairing with Bobby, too, because at least Hank can point and say at least he's not Randy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when they get to the mouth of the case, which is kind of frightening looking for a 12-year-old to climb underground, and Bobby begins to kind of get uh, a little bit frightened, and he's hesitant towards doing it, and Connie just kind of patronizes him and says that he could stay at the top of the cave and just pretend it's base camp. Yeah. <laughs> pretend it's headquarters. Yeah. But I like that because she doesn't say it super condescending. I mean, it is. like, And, and, and Bobby obviously would have felt like, oh, man, that is stupid and embarrassing and kitty. But she doesn't, like, laugh at him. And she says it when Joseph's away. So it's like it is kind of funny because it's like it, it – more maternal than anything. Like, yeah, I think she's actually given him an out where yeah. it's just like, it's okay, we can do this. It's like, and like then he and Bobby realizes how sad it is. Yeah. Or but like she a good totally... babysitter would be this like, yeah. oh yeah, well, that's fine. We'll we're gonna go do this thing the other kids wanna do, and you can play headquarters. Like <laughs> I just imagine Bobby sitting on a rock pretending he's doing like Morse code. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Report back. <laughs> Because it's funny, after Bobby, uh, he looks over at, like, Randy, and he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to head into the caves. And Randy pokes his head in, and he's like, you'll be sorry. And the plane just goes and <laughs> nukes him in the side of the head. Yeah, so bad it breaks. <laughs> I love the next scene we're going to here with uh, Hank driving in Con's minivan. <laughs> and uh, I love Con's suggestion as to where the kids may have run off to. First we look for Con Jr. at Contemporary Art Museum. Oh, sorry. Arlen doesn't have one. 
<laughs> I mean, just a chirp. They've been. Uh, they, well, it's no. It's no wonder they don't. The uh, Arlen Endowment for the Arts is spent on a gun show. <laughs> I mean, doesn't leave much room for an art museum. <laughs> I know, and I love the uh, the the power struggle between Con and Hank. Oh my god! And he's god. just like, just because you're driving doesn't mean I'm not still leading this search posse yeah. or whatever he says. And of course, Dale's just in the back, kind of like like nobody's paying attention to him. Yeah. <laughs> like, even I forgot Dale was in the back. <laughs> but yeah, then we do get Min and Peg driving. Oh yeah, and they can't stand each other and right from the get go. I love this line, like because yeah, Peggy's driving erratic, and I just, I love this line that Peggy delivers. Please take pedal from middle. They probably at the mall. Oh, my heart is racing here, Min, and when my heart races, my Buick follows. I, I'm uh, I'm a proud former Buick owner. Yes, you are. <laughs> rest, rest, guys. Can we just have a have a have a little cheers for my Buick? <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, uh, I I love that line just because I love my Buick. So this is the part where the back and forth between the parents and the kids becomes most obvious, and now every scene forward is just jumping between the two, and we see the kids at the caves. They're in the caves now. Yeah, they and they finally found the destination, the boneyard. What's the boneyard? I can't remember. It's either the place where old people go to die or young people go to make out. Well, what if you're wrong and it's where young people go to die and old people go to make out? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that visual, Bobby. <laughs> I love when Connie finds the sign, the boneyard. It's written in old English. It's not it's, at all. Yo, it's a super like hippie love piece, yeah. 70s bubble writing. Days and Confused was a pretty big movie at this point. Yeah. Also set in Texas. Great movie. Hell of a flick. I, I kind of, anytime I see 70s, like when I imagine Hank and Peggy back in the day, I, I imagine it in like... That scene, that scenery. Yeah. Meanwhile, while the kids are uh, making their way to the boneyard, we get another shot back to uh, to the dad's search party. And they're actually coming out of Hobby Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> For some, like, these, like, I think Min is the only one here who's thinking straight, saying that they're probably at the mall. Like, yeah. these parents don't really understand their kids if they think they're going to run to a hobby well, shop. And Con says maybe maybe they'll go across the street. And Hank says the last place any American child would run away to is a sheet music store. <laughs> <laughs> and I love Con's rebuttal. He's like, well, if, they, if they're trying to get away from their hillbilly dad, they will. He's <laughs> not wrong. So we see Peggy get back to the hill house, and Luann's just sprawled out on the couch watching uh, Monsignor Martinez. Uh, and the... <laughs> it's revealed that men would rather take a taxi yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than be passenger to Peggy's Buick. Luann convinces Peggy to sit down and calm down watching some TV. We pan to the TV to see uh, Los Dias y Las Noches, which translate to the days and the nights of Monsignor Martinez. Yeah, this is the first appearance of Monsignor Martinez, and it's kind of like what Itchy and Scratchy uh, for the Simpsons is is to King of the Hill. It's a show that they always watch, and now kind of thinking about it, I think that maybe this, like them coming up with Monsignor Martinez was the end of like those one-off jokes, like when Hank's wa like making watching steak. Pretty sure most times when they're watching TV now and it's not the news, it's Monsignor Martinez. So it's a Spanish language show about a Spanish Catholic priest and mercenary. He's voiced by Mike Judge, and uh, his catchphrase of "Vaya con Dios," uh, which he usually says right before he's about to blast somebody or you know blow something up, and it transmit it translates to "Go with God." Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Guess what? Monsignor Martinez rented a sports car in the name of those little babies. Vaya con Dios. In the deleted scenes, Luann is watching the show, and Peggy stops to say, like, oh, I didn't know that you understood Spanish. And, and Luann's just like, oh, I don't. But and then, like, go on, goes on to describe the scene in which, like... Oh, how ridiculous. Like, how he, like, he's, like, holding a gun to a, a guy's head while he's, like, grabbing twins from, like, a drowning car. <laughs> She's like, it's pretty obvious to know what's going on. <laughs> and then she goes on about just how attractive he is. <laughs> I wonder if that is just sort of, like... Because 
when we were in Texas, there's there's quite a few Spanish channels. Yeah. And they have amazingly attractive people on them, <laughs> like all the time. And I wonder if that that must be a thing in Texas to just watch like a show in the background in Spanish without subtitles, just because there's attractive people in it. Yeah, it must be a thing. <laughs> I could see that. Next scene, we see uh, Bobby. He's uh, he's starting to struggle, making the last final push up the hill towards the boneyard. Joseph takes his shirt off and uh, hoists Bobby up, and the kids come crashing down into the boneyard. We did it. We're in the boneyard. <laughs> and this is the first point in the episode where Bobby's now starting to feel like the odd odd man. Now he's starting to realize that uh, Connie and Joseph are really Whoa. bonding. <laughs> Do not glaze over Frampton. Well, I was getting to Frampton. I'm not going right. to glaze over Frampton. It sounded like you were blowing past. <laughs> you know I was the greatest gonna... <laughs> album of 1976. You know I was going to throw it to you for Frampton. God, you've been talking about fucking Frampton since yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, please enlighten us on some Peter Frampton. <laughs> Sorry, are you finished? <laughs> okay. Do I have a choice? <laughs> Frampton comes alive as the graffiti sprawled across the boneyard. This is obviously in reference to the 1976 double live album, which had the hits Show Me The Way, Baby I Love Your Way, and of course, Do You Feel The Way I Do. That's, do you feel... Like I do. Like we do. He sings like I do for the first part. It's a 10-minute song. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All three of them reached top 15 on the billboards. Best spelling record of 1976. Sold 8 million copies in the United States alone. And he's British. He sold 11 million more worldwide. Damn. Yeah. Damn. It's, uh, the record was described by our Uncle Dean. As if it were delivered to everyone's house like it was a bottle of Sunny D. <laughs> Everybody had this record. I have three copies of it. The 70s were booming for those live albums. Oh, this great. was like, this was kind of right after Kiss. Was this before or after Live at Budokan that came after? Live at Budokan being Deep Purple? No, that's no, in Cheap Trick. Cheap tra- oh, that's after. Oh, okay. That's, that's like 1980, oh. 79, 80. Um, but yeah, because the, uh, there was, I mean, obviously live records were always a thing, but like the 70s, like that like arena rock mm-hmm. kind of like really took off after live albums. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, we had, there was Kiss Alive was 1975, f- I believe. And then, and then, yeah, Frampton Comes Alive. And just, and then everybody had one. And I was asked uh, the question by our friend the other day, a couple months ago, if I prefer songs live or in the studio recorded. And I mean, I think if it's like a, if it's a band that I know pretty well, I really like the live versions more because, well, Lemmy said it best when he said, he said live is just like greatest hits, but faster. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I feel like when bands play it live for so long that they know it and they get it and they get bored of it and then they write some new part or do something weird to kind of make it interested. And then like for me, it'll be like, oh, I know that song from the record. I'd rather see something mm-hmm. different. Yeah, so. I know what you mean because like I wouldn't – I used to be like, I used to hate live albums and live songs. Like, no, I just want to hear what it sounds like. Like, I want the studio version all the time. And now, like, like I listen to music probably a lot more than I did now. And, like, I love the live versions. Like, yeah. it transplants you there. And, like, like, what you're saying, like, especially, like, one of my favorite bands, the Tragically Hip, their live versions of the songs are, like, way different Famously usually different, than, yeah. uh, than the studio album. And you, I think it's just a lot more intimate listening. Yeah, I'm uh, going to take it from a little bit of a different route, but, like, the first live album that I really found myself loving was the Mark, Tom, and Travis show. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. because of the same point that Lemmy made, is that it's just faster. Greatest hits, but faster. Yeah, greatest hits, but faster. So, and I, like, really like fast kind of punk music, so that really made me, like, kind of start loving live albums. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked live albums. It's The Clash, like, because The Clash are my favorite band, mm-hmm. and I love them so much. I listen to the music all the time. 
But when I listen to their live songs, they don't sound, not only do they not just sound like the same as the recording, yeah. they don't sound like each other every other live show. So they're always changing it up, and it's just to make it fresh, and I love that. You look surprised when I said the Blink-182 album. I thought Which you were one? ACDC Live. Oh my god, I watched that one a lot. <laughs> you like that one a lot. <laughs> well, we had the uh, DVD, and on our way to Arizona for a road well, trip. Well, no, we had the Live at Donington DVD, but you had the ACDC Live CD as well. Yeah, I mean, both were good. Yeah. When I wasn't listening to one, I was watching the other. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I had that too. I love it. Hello, Donington. How you doing? <laughs> you guys look great. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, the Peter Frampton bit, I love it because it comes back in the deleted scenes. And I think we actually went out and made the point of picking this one up. Can we, can we hear that deleted scene? Who's Frampton? He was the captain of the football team. He got killed in a car wreck. Oh, yeah. They say his ghost plays football here every full moon. <laughs> <laughs> did, did, was that album from 76? Is that what you said? The album was released in 1976, yeah. Yeah, I like that, because the other part of the graffiti was Senior 76. Oh, was And then it? right beside it was Frampton. Because I was trying to research, I was like, oh, that must be the year that Hank and the guys graduated, too. Like a little nod to them, and then I, I couldn't figure it out and it didn't really make sense but now you're saying yeah that's when the album came out it makes more sense it, it's funny too i was kind of like oh where is this one where is it where was it recorded i was just listening because i was listening to it because i was you know i was pretty stoked on it yeah um and the first track is just uh it's, it's called like live or live in america it doesn't even say like what <laughs> where it is i love how i just love it because i don't know if it was intentional but <laughs> it feels like when bands are just like live in the uk yeah. <laughs> live in australia yeah. it's like it's a country man There's, yeah. <laughs> where am i going <laughs> i believe it was san francisco that's <laughs> funny like the, the next thing or the first thing they find in the caves oh, is an, yeah. old, an old Playboy that Joseph's super stoked on. I, actually, Connie might be a little excited. Yeah, as long as there's an or article by uh, Norman Mailer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Norman Mailer was a American novelist, journalist, essayist, playwright, filmmaker, actor, and liberal political activist. Uh, not something that you'd expect from Playboy, but he had some really Whoa, good pieces. are you kidding me? I mean... <laughs> I thought it was just nudie magazines when I was a kid. Yeah. Just nude. That's all I thought it was. It's funny. I was reading about that because there was a list. Like Playboy, like really hired some heavy hitters in that era too. Well, uh, because they were the one that they were the one that you could be the most like kind say of like anything, yeah. you could say not anything, but yeah, you could get a lot of like interesting points out. Mm -hmm. out yeah, because they had like Jack Kerouac was uh, wrote a piece Huge, on there yeah. too, and there well, was, like, and uh, Hunter S. Thompson was mm -hmm. it was massive and for his success. Yeah, and it's funny and like like what Dustin just said, like I thought it was just nudie mags. Like Hugh Hefner has a quote where he's just like he's like thanks to all the Playboy bunnies. Without you, it'd just be a journalistic magazine. <laughs> <laughs> True. It used to be pretty good. Um, I remember when our uncle Dean passed away, he had a life time subscription oh yeah and that it i don't know like his his lifetime was over for a good like four years and i kept getting his magazines awesome. they yeah i mean they like they at first i was kind of like sweet but there was like there's some random interesting articles and stuff but i feel like with the internet and stuff playboy just kind of started to be like sh just shocking again kind of rather than more like really thoughtful and they uh, they're putting nudes back in the magazines now I didn't know that. I don't get it anymore. It yeah. stopped. Well, they took it out, um, and then when Hugh Hefner passed away, his son took possession of the company or, like, you know, whatever. He was uh, in charge, and he's putting the nudes back in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Why did they ever leave? That's a good fucking question. Joseph pulls a line from the Playboy magazine ooh, saying... Ooh, check this out. Our unabashed dictionary defines heavy petting as when things get out of control at a Weight Watchers meeting. <laughs> he doesn't get it. I'm starting to get things. <laughs> There's Bobby once again feeling like the odd man out. Uh, he's not in on the joke um, that, yeah, somehow uh, Connie and Joseph are so quick to pick that up. And unfortunately for Bobby, he's not. Well, I mean, they are at a place where they're holding hands already, so they're pretty versed. And now the next scene, they're, the guys are uh, spearheading their search party still, and they've made a new stop. Dustin, where are they at now? 
Megalomart Megaloland, which is the kitty play place attached to the Megalomart. They made they made a new stop, but they've also introduced me to a new phrase. I was sure as the world. No. I thought the kids would be here sure as the world. I'll be dipped. That is a good one. And then they run into Randy and uh, Eustace. Useless. <laughs> and uh, Hank asks Randy where the boys are. Hey, Randy, have you seen Bobby and Joseph and that con junior? Maybe, maybe not. What are you going to do? We're going to tan their hides. They're in the caves. I did the right thing. I told them not to go. I did the right thing. You heard him, Hank. We have no legal responsibility. The caves? This is a response from a patent lawyer. <laughs> a successful patent lawyer. And that's, that's why he's successful. <laughs> and that's another brief appearance by our man, David Herman. Yeah, he comes in as Randy's getting a new airplane because his old RC broke. Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got the bandage around his head, too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where the plane just dummies him. You uh, heard him, Hank. We have no legal response. <laughs> and, uh... Where are we now? We head back to the caves. Yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. Denim, I think Joseph has some gifts or a gift he finds for Connie. Yeah, he finds a bra. Must have fallen off a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? Connie's like, oh, thanks. Yeah. And then, well, then Bobby's not to be outdone. He finds, he finds her a tin of school. Hey, Connie, Connie, I found you this. Skull. Yeah. I'm a soul man. So just after the song, the lights go out, and then Bobby gets to bring out his glow sticks that he was so excited to buy. And when he cracks them, he turns the light on and he sees Joseph and Connie holding hands. Yeah. And uh, he's feeling pretty lonely. Yeah, like uh, it just compounds under the odd man out feeling because now he's basically a third wheel. Yeah. So finally the search party arrives at their destination. Um, it's funny when they find out that they're in the caves, like Hank and Dale instantly just panic and start running and Colin's like, oh, well, that's good. We know where they are. And Dale's like, no, Colin, caves were bad. <laughs> and of course, uh, inside the caves, the first thing Dale does is uh, he can't see. <laughs> oh, God, I can't see. I can't see. We're all going to die. <laughs> Dale, you have your sunglasses on. Gotcha. <laughs> then Hank just sends Dale to go play headquarters. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, this is my favorite interaction, I think, in the in, in this episode. Or... This, this is a really good one. I noticed my wife's name was not among those mentioned. Am I to assume Nancy should continue worrying? Ah, you go now! <laughs> the Hank just doesn't re respond. <laughs> and then we see Dale, he just comes flying down Rainy Street. Yeah, just honking and yelling. <laughs> mayday! 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 The kids are in the caves! Oh my goodness. That is where half of Arlen's unplanned pregnancies begin. Then John Redcorn and Nancy just sort of share a look. And I don't know if you heard it there in the middle of that scene. Uh, John Redcorn zips up his pants after running out of Nancy's house. <laughs> it's implied. <laughs> exactly. Peggy, Peggy panics at the thought of becoming in-laws with men. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A mortal so, enemy. And so then we get a cut back to the kids lost in the caves, panicking. Bobby's so nervous, so he starts eating all of the spray cheese. Yeah, it's funny. The kids get lost in a really unobvious way because there's two ways in and out of the caves, <laughs> and they just they they argue about which way it is. Uh, Bobby's not a lot of help at this point. He can't stop. <laughs> he can't control himself. They could have been using them tube chips for a breadcrumb trail. Yeah, as the kids are realizing they're lost, Hank and Con take obviously the other way to the caves and end up in basically the garbage chute of yeah, the boneyard. I guess so. And uh, it flashes back to Bobby with uh, Connie and Joseph. I see things clearly now. 
I'm gonna grow up without anyone to love and die friendless and alone like Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> I won't stand in your way. When the time comes, I want you to eat me. You'd do that for us? Of course I would. You're my best friends. My body is my gift to you. <laughs> But it wouldn't have to be that way. You just <laughs> saved us some chips. It's funny, right? Like, Joseph bought those because they keep. We have to factor in that Bobby's a pig. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's scared. So, Bobby, yeah, Bobby inhales it all. And um, Connie's just like, wow, you do that for us? And it's like... Kids, you're not going to be down. Like that's not going to happen. It's <laughs> the plot that counts. When when Joseph was um, like, like when he did say like, but it didn't have to be that way. I kind of really it it made me think of Dale a lot. Like it sounded like something Dale would have said <laughs> in the same situation. Yeah, exactly. Like Bill ate all the chips, and Dale's yeah. now giving him a hard time. But yeah, well, then we go back to Peggy. Yeah. Being worried that they're exploring each other's bodies. <laughs> But don't worry, Dale's got a, <laughs> a, a reason for them uh, to not be doing what they think they're doing. Even if they are, there's nothing that lovers do that could possibly take this long. Am I right? Yes, if you only consider your own needs. <laughs> Look, at a time like that, Dale's just throwing that out. <laughs> It's like, hey, I'm lame in the sack. It's not a controversial thing to him. He's just like, yeah, it never takes that long. <laughs> yeah, like there's no question. And Nancy's obviously starting to sweat, and she runs away. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think I need a beer. Uh, honey, you want a beer? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Smooth red cord. <laughs> How did he know I wanted a beer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's why... Uh... Bill and Boomhauer were there as all the parents worried they showed up with a cooler full of beer. <laughs> well, they just they just heard of a party out of the caves. <laughs> Boomhauer is there every weekend anyway. But then we go back to Hank and Con in the mines and Con falls down into a pile of beer cans. Oh, there are. Now I stick it with a beer. This is the worst birthday I ever had. <laughs> It's thrown in so late. Like I love it. Oh, uh, he's 41. Yeah. <laughs> it is a funny addition. I don't really understand it. Yeah, and it's funny because I think that, uh, like, now both of the parties are, are lost, essentially. And uh, Hank's like, oh, don't worry. Oh, Dale. Dale will send help. Because <laughs> like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> it all rests on Dale Gribble. <laughs> well. <laughs> He goes, I'm going to die like the English patient's girlfriend. <laughs> I don't know how Hank thinks that's a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> you make me nervous that Joseph with Con Jr., his whole family like a Tennessee Williams play. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> Yeah, and Con actually uh, lightens up a bit on old, old uh, Bobby Wait, there. He's a good boy. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a good boy. <laughs> well, the puberty hasn't hit him yet, so he's well, harmless. I mean, many a good boy gone bad in the boneyard. I think what the birthday came from is the parallel of like, oh, they're getting old. They used to do this as a kid. Yeah. I and now that. Hank kind of realized, like, you know, Con's not so different. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he explains to him that. This is where a lot of, where most Ireland got to second base for the first time. I mean, does he really explain it though? <laughs> well, he has a hard time. Oh, <coughs> meaning that you see, when two people are attracted to each other, uh, well, your hand. Don't explain a home run. You have a heart attack. In Laos, we call it pass on pate. You saw the uh, subtitles. How's that even spelled? So I know how to pronounce it. Pass on pate. P a s o n. Yeah. P-A-T-E. Did you look up the translation? So, yes, I did. And it's not like it's – so it's like Romanized is what okay. it's called. And that doesn't do much when like – so that's like a lot of tones in the mm -hmm. language. So it doesn't have any like accents. So pa could mean fish. <laughs> it could mean uncle. Uh, it could mean wilderness. Okay. Or like some other kind of thing because son means – Like a dozen things. Okay. And then Pate. So, like, basically what I kind of figured was, like, Pate meaning, like, fr French. Yeah. For, like, paste. So, like, I think it's, like, pate, maybe. Okay. And then so it's, like, basically, like, 
It's first of all, it isn't get a common to it, Hank. <laughs> first of all, it's not a common phrase. Yeah, <clears throat> like if it's a thing, or if it's a thing, Con made it up. Yeah, but people were talking about the internet, and basically, I feel like it comes down to it means something like fish pate. Fish some, but <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's like all I could think of. <laughs> it's funny because I'm like, Con starts talking about that, and because uh, he says he was at a spring break at some town. So tell me, uh, where'd you hit your first Hassan Pate? Langa Probank City. Wild town, man. Spring break and two out of three guys are monks. <laughs> Try not get some Hassan Pate. <laughs> <laughs> So the kids actually hear uh, the their their two dads uh, laughing together, and Connie's like, "No, it can't be, because they're not yelling at each other, they're not <laughs> arguing." And the kids start following the sound through the tunnel, and of course, they fall into this beer-soaked uh, pit too. And um, so now the two parties are joined. And I just love how Hank shakes Joseph's head. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I was gonna say. Is, uh, Joseph? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, Con says, "Oh, great! Now we're all together. Just wait for Dale Gribble to save us." Yeah, and then there's just a bunch of silence. Yeah, and while Bobby just starts throwing beer cans down a crack, uh, Hank tries giving him hell, but then realizes that p- that there's an opening from up up through the roof that somebody's throwing beer cans down. Hey, hold your fire up there! Hey, man, you gonna do like damn potato Hank doing down in a boneyard? Man, you gonna get down in like don't bond around? You gonna wrong with you, man? Boom, power! <laughs> I can't understand a word you're saying. Must be the echo. <laughs> That's like the second or third time now that like Hank's like given an excuse as to why he can't understand. Yeah, the legalese one. Yeah. Where it's like he fully understands Boomhauer's voice, just yeah, not what just he's talking about. Yeah, just not what he's saying. Like, yeah. And, but yeah, this one, this one actually uh, struck me as kind of funny because, so this was Boomhauer um, coming to the rescue. Yeah. But in the deleted alternate scene, I suppose it's uh, Bill, mm-hmm. and Bill goes on a rant. <laughs> Bill uh, accidentally dropped his beer down there, and that's what he's concerned about. So yeah, yeah he accident. Well, he thought that Hank was mad that he was littering. Yeah. Or it sounded like so. He's like, "Oh, just I'll give you a rope, and you just let me know when you tied my beer can to it." Yeah. <laughs> So the next scene, we actually see them get rescued. A crane pulls up Bobby, and Peggy's excited to see him. My, l- <laughs> my little golden child. <laughs> he jumps on with him and starts going down the hole because it's heavy. Yeah, so all the kids get rescued safely, and uh, Hank and Con as well. And they're all preparing to leave, and Peggy's like, Hank, buckle Bobby into the back to the middle seat of the car so we can both see him while we're driving home. And Hank's like, oh, come on now. He rode his bike here. He can ride his bike home. So him and Joseph are going to ride their bikes home. And, of course, they ask Connie if she wants to ride, too. And Connie's having fucking none of that. They're headed to the hospital for tetanus shots. <laughs> not, before they, not before they get ice cream. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so then we get a nice little shot of the Hill family f- following Joseph and Bobby home. And uh, Bobby takes a little lighthearted uh, approach. Hey, Joseph. Yeah? Um, what were you eating under there? Underwear? Ooh, you were eating underwear? Shut up. Boxers or briefs? <laughs> you are such a goon. <laughs> Boxers or briefs? So the boys kind of bond over, you know, not fighting over a girl because girls... Uh, are fickle. <laughs> They'd way rather listen to Weird Al. <laughs> or maybe the Bare Naked Ladies. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because they both go back and forth saying that Connie thinks that they like the other one. And Joseph's like, no, as soon as you offered up your body as food, yeah, yeah. She, she was all yours. And I thought it was really funny that the, the little quote that Joseph says. And he's like, girls have a hard time choosing just one guy. Right? Like, his mom is having a hard time just using <laughs> one guy. Like they like to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. I totally didn't pick up on where he learned that from, uh, but you're so right. It's just Nancy in a nutshell. Yeah, that is that is a that is a good one. I thought it was funny while we were talking about things that went over my, our heads about Nancy. Now I just thought, of, well, I just saw this the other day, and it made me think, like, oh, why didn't we think of that? And it's back to that to t- Texas City Twister. 
Uh. And it when like when they say that like tell, go into Megalomar and tell them that you can get a whole sack of onions for your destroyed house. <laughs> it's because it's subtly telling them to go cry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Way over my head. Thanks oh, to this yeah. some dude on Twitter that <laughs> shot, pointed that out. That's funny. Yeah, I never even thought about that. Yeah, I know, right? But yeah, it's, it was insulting to begin with. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. But now you never think about it. It's really insulting. Yeah. <laughs> and like the final scene of this episode is so funny. There's just the visual of it. It pans past the two boys riding on their bikes home, and it sees uh, Hank and Peggy driving in Peggy's Buick, and then in the back seat, buckled up his tail. <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's only he, one seat in Redcorn's Jeep. Yeah, he's not going home with his wife. He's not going home with Bill or Boomhauer. He's got to you know, ride in the back with Peggy and Hank. But that is a beautiful final scene, and I guess that takes us to our final thoughts on the episode. Do you want to kick it no. off? Okay. Miles, do you want to kick it off? So, my final thoughts of this episode, it was definitely enjoyable. It wasn't near on the, my top favorites of this season so far. Uh, I just, I've liked all the other ones a lot more. There were some good uh, quotes and references in this one and one-liners. And I did like to see the Soup and Newsome phones because we haven't seen them, like, basically featured at all in season two. Yeah, just anytime Toby Huss is, <laughs> and then he's heavily featured. In oh, this yeah, one. he uh, he does some really good work in this one. I really liked it. I, uh, I find myself thinking about, like, him more than I think about the characters when he's speaking, and it just makes me enjoy it so much more. Yes, yeah, especially now, like, I can put a face to him. It's oh, like, yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. But, uh... That's about it for me. I'd give it, you know, seven tubes of spray cheese and four glow sticks. Yeah, I really like this episode. I think it's got a lot of really funny jokes. Uh, I really wish that all the deleted uh, Peter Frampton jokes, like, made it in because they're great. Um, But other than that, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good character episode. Like, this one obviously introduces some ideas to Bobby, if not that haven't like, because to the audience, I think we've already seen a little bit of Connie and Bobby, but this one now Bobby kind of realizes it, and I like that you know they're kind of adding to that. Um, yeah, I I really like this episode. Just yeah, for the characters and uh, Brittany Murphy and Joseph, a lot of Joseph in this one was nice. And Cheryl Holiday. <laughs> yeah, Cheryl Holiday. Of course, can't forget Cheryl. I really like this episode too. The storyline, it was like uh, like watching. I feel like anybody who's you know has been through that one of those stories when they're a kid, you know, like staying out too late or sneaking out after dark, you know, something along those lines, right? It's like we've all been there before. And I liked uh, John Ritter. He did a great job. I'm a big fan of John Ritter. I, uh, I, I like him. I like him, and I yeah, he's he's super funny in that. Yeah, it was a good episode. Uh, like Dan mentioned, Toby Huss fucking kills it. Pamela Adlon, as you mentioned too, Dustin does great work with Bobby. This was a really uh, uh, a showcase of, if, if anything, for the voice actors. Uh, it really pushed their limits and showed their range. I think it'll be interesting when the season's over and we look at like M- like uh, awards. I think this episode will be among... I think I said that about Texas City Twister, mm-hmm. which I still believe. You did Luann. I do, but I think maybe more for, like, Pamela Adlon for this, for, like, maybe this episode or, like, yeah, I think there's, or Toby Hussey. There's a lot of potential <laughs> for nominations There in is this some one. pretty good ones, yeah. There's some pretty uh, front good front runners in this episode so far. But, yeah, it, it actually did kind of remind me of, like, maybe uh, that 70s show episode a little bit. A little bit, yeah, I see that. Like, I feel that. For some reason, I could just see Red. Just like <laughs> ready to kick Eric's ass in the caves. Yeah, totally. and blaming Donna <laughs> and just Bill. Like I just uh, especially, sorry, especially hey, with- sorry, not Bill. Bab. I guess that, that might be a Freudian slip. <laughs> oh, you mean Bergen Bab? Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. If, if if there's a crossover, Bill is and Bob are the same. <laughs> but but. Nancy's more <laughs> his wife. <laughs> yeah. So that, I guess, closes off this episode. Which, that 70s show or King of the Hill? <laughs> King of the Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I forgot what podcast this was. It's all good. So let's send it off with a roundtable Wematanya. Wematanya!
See you later. Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Yeehaw! Hey, what's your crap for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.